Welcome back to the Funding University podcast. I am your host, Seth Block. Today, we are excited to welcome back Art Smith from Digirati Technologies, Inc. We were lucky enough to have Art on the podcast last May, and we have asked him to come back and tell us about the acquisitions Digirati has done over the last several years. Art will tell us about several acquisitions he has completed, including Synergy, T3 Communications, Nexigy, Active PBX, and most recently, Skynet Telecom and Next Level Internet. He will walk us through the transactions and then tell us how he funded them. So with that, let's get started. Alrighty, so Art, welcome back to the podcast. Great to have you back on. How you been? I'm doing well, Seth. Thank you for having me back. Yeah, this is really excited. You know, I went back and listened to the podcast that we did back in, in May of, of 2021, and I was amazed at how we actually spent very little time talking about all the great acquisitions that you guys have done. So I'd really like to focus on that for this podcast. Uh, so as we get started, uh, uh, first off, let's give our, our listeners a refresh on what Digirati Technologies does and how they serve the business community. Sure. Yeah. So Digirati Technologies is essentially the holding company. And we have operating subsidiaries in Florida and in Texas. And as of a few weeks ago in California. So uh, we focus on serving the small and medium sized business. We provide virtually any type of communication service that that business requires over the Internet or in the cloud. Right. Hence the name you know, cloud communications. It's also known, Seth, as UCAS, Unified Communications as a Service, because basically we're providing uh, our customers with uh, communication solutions or applications that includes messaging, right? Voice, traditional voice, video conferencing, right? Uh, collaboration in, in some cases, right? So um, that, in a, in a, in a, I guess, on a, uh, uh, if you look at it as a whole, it's, a, it's, it's unified communications, right? You're providing every every type of communication service out there over the internet to that customer or for that customer. And, and just for the, the, and I know we talked about this a little bit on the last podcast, but to put things in perspective, I mean, we're mm -hmm. talking about how many small businesses this applies to. Oh yeah. There's, <laughs> well, let's see. I think last count, I thought it was like 26 million small and medium sized businesses out there. So it's a huge market. Uh, after our last acquisition, we're at 4,000. So we've got a sliver of that market. <laughs> and and, and uh, to again put it in perspective, of the 26, 27 million small businesses there are out there, what uh -huh. percentage of them are using a UCAS or similar uh, cloud-based uh, service today? Yeah, so uh, the last statistic I have is a couple of years old, Seth. Uh, but at that time, and that's actually after we had launched our this business model, at that time, 75% of small and medium-sized businesses had not moved to the cloud, right? Right. Um, now, the pandemic may have accelerated that. Yep. But there's still, I'm going to estimate, you know, half of the market out there is still on traditional, you know, communication systems, not in the cloud. So and it's a great opportunity for us. Yeah. And isn't there some regulation out there that's going to essentially force everybody to move to that in the future? There is. Uh, so as you know, the legacy phone network that we've all used for 100 years 
is going by way of the dinosaur and um, FCC's uh, implemented some mandates that um, basically require that that network be decommissioned over time, right? Yeah. And so as, as that is occurring, businesses are going to start moving to the cloud. Now, they could still go to a traditional PBX within their infrastructure and connect to the cloud, but it, which is not really a cloud-based system. But uh, we believe that the best solution is to live in the cloud, right, uh, for, for what we do and then what other applications that are out there. Yep, I I agree. Um, okay, well, let's dive into some acquisitions. I know one of the first acquisitions you guys did was uh, Synergy Technologies. Walk, walk, and that was a small acquisition. Just walk us through that acquisition real quick. Yeah, it was our first transaction. It was a company, a service provider based here in San Antonio, Texas. As, as you know, that's where we're headquartered. And it, uh, it, it, it met all the criteria, right? They were serving the small to medium-sized business. Uh, they were 100% cloud-based, and they were using the same technology stack that we had. So um, that's that's a key part of what we're doing, Seth, is we want to make sure that as we integrate those acquisitions, that it's seamless to the end user, right? That it doesn't have an impact on that business. Uh, when they come in Monday morning after the transaction, it, it's the same environment, right? Same portal. Um, we also want to gain efficiencies by having a, a technical team, right? A support team that's trained on that technology stack and knows it inside and out. So you gain a lot of efficiencies on the support side uh, when you're integrating technology that you already know and you already operate. So uh, they were rather small, as you said. Um, they were only at about half a million in annual revenues, uh, but we, uh, we were already executing on our plan organically here in Texas. So on a combined basis, it got us pretty close to a million in annual revenue. Essentially what we've done is we've grown from, you know, that sub 500k level back in 2018, early 2018, 2017, uh, to where we are today. After our last transaction, we're we're right at 32 million annualized on wow. revenue. So back so, to synergy to your question. Um, again, it had uh, the reason it made sense for us is it was a, a customer base uh, that fit that was our target market here in Texas, here in San Antonio. We were already executing on, on our plan organically. So it was just a great fit for us. And also for the reasons that I mentioned previously, you know, the, the same technology stack. Great. And because uh, since this is, you know, the Funding University podcast, tell me, how did you fund that acquisition? So that deal, uh, we actually did internally. Um, we structured it within, with a combination of stock and cash. Uh, and they took back a seller note right? Which is very mm -hmm. typical, very common in our transactions. And we require that anyway, because what we do, Seth, is we, um, when we take back a seller note, uh, we tie that to revenue assurance, because we want to make sure that the revenue that, that we're acquiring is going to be with us, you know, long-term or, you know, at least, um, you know, mm -hmm. out going, going out two to three years. Uh, the customers that, that, we, that we acquire under these transactions, the customer base, also, you know, typically they have contracts with, with the provider that go out, you know, one to three years, in some cases, five years, if it's a municipality. So we took back a seller note. Uh, we, we gave them uh, some stock, a small amount of stock. Uh, and then there was a ca cash that we paid at closing. Right. So we didn't, there was no debt financing other than the, the uh, seller finance notes gotcha. that we took back on smaller transactions. Which is great. If you can do a small acquisition like that, increase revenue and not really take on any debt, that's phenomenal. That's right. That's yeah. exactly right. 
so so from there, and this is an acquisition that that I'm very familiar with because I was actually involved helping you guys fund it through Thermo and and actually through some outside sources as well. But let's let's talk about T3 Technologies. Yeah, that's where you came in. You were yeah. a big help there. <laughs> yeah, walk us through that acquisition, what they did, how that how that worked yeah. well with what you were doing, uh, and then we can we can get into kind of the funding of it. Yeah, so T3 Communications was our second acquisition. It was based in, in, in Fort Myers, Florida. We really liked that business because they'd just done a great job of serving that small and medium-sized business customer in that regional market. Uh, they also had diversified a little more. Uh, they were providing cloud-based communication services, but they also provided broadband solutions to their customers. Mm-hmm. And that's now become a part of our product line, right? Today, it's, it's after the next level transaction, it's about half, right? So- wow. Uh, that's important because every business out there that's living in the cloud, uh, they need reliable digital oxygen. That's how I refer to it, right? If they don't have that digital oxygen, they're out of business, right? So providing a uh, quality solution in terms of and a high-performing solution in terms of broadband uh, so that those businesses can live in the cloud with our solution or other, other applications like Office 365, right, in the cloud. So um, we, we felt that that was a good a good um, next step for us in terms of product set. Um, T3 was uh, the, the size we were looking for. And what I didn't reference before, Seth, is we're looking for companies that are between 2 million and, and 10 million in annual revenue, right? Um, the reason for that is typically if you're buying in that range, it's something we can absorb. It's typically not being marketed by an investment banking firm. Um, it's usually a closely held, you know, company. It's typically, you know, you know, mom and pop, you know, husband and wife team or a father, a son team, like in, in Synergy Telecom. And, you know, we can get a deal done in short order because we, you know, can work directly with the owner. So um, T3, uh, again, fit, fit a lot of the criteria we were looking for. And um, fortunately, you know, we were working with you at Thermo Credit and we were able to structure it uh, through a combination of debt and um, uh, a little bit of a seller note. Uh, that was a lot less on the, on the seller note side. Um, in fact, if I think back, um, it may, there may have been no seller note on that particular transaction. Now we did do an escrow uh, for some other items, you know, to make sure things were as they came out in due diligence and included, you know, revenue assurance, but uh, really it was mainly the help, your help, thermal credit, some individual investors that came back um, and allow and help us get that deal done. Yeah, that and that deal. I, and I remember I was I was really impressed about how you and Antonio really were open to looking at some different options there. Uh, but you know, you had the asset-based facility uh, mm-hmm. that Thermo actually provided, and then you had a mezzanine piece that was provided by you know a, a high net worth individual. Uh, right. That was that to me was the key to the kingdom on this transaction. And that right. piece was, was a hard piece to get because typically your angel investors or even your uh, venture capital groups, they really don't like doing deals in that deal size. Uh, right. And so what you're really looking for is somebody who understands the industry, understands the business uh, and likes it and is willing to put it up. Uh, and we found that the challenge, of course, was that it's expensive money. And sure. What impressed me about what you guys did was you were able to see beyond that and see that that by not doing this transaction and by not, even though the money was expensive, by not taking it on and completing the transaction and then using the profits from that acquisition 
to pay that interest, you in essence were leaving money on the table. Correct. Yeah, every every transaction is a building block, right? And yeah. so, especially at that stage, it was our second deal. We needed a proof concept, right? We needed to execute to show the market that this 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 business model will work, and uh, that you know your your thermos helped the high net worth individual that came in and, and helped us expand on that on that facility. Uh, we're key to getting that deal done, and obviously, you know, here we're talking about it three years later or so. It's um, you know we we successfully executed on that, right? yep. and there was a, a successful closure with the, that particular group, including Thermo Credit. But everybody won, right? Right. So that's, yeah, that's that's the that's, next thing about that. Yeah, that's that's the beauty of those types of things is that at the end of the day, that deal was structured so that it was a win-win for everybody, and that's what happened. Now, from there, and and I believe that this next transaction you did is it was kind of a game changer for you guys but from there you moved into the nexus transaction can you kind of walk us through that transaction and 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 how you sure. shifted on your funding when you did that one sure so at that transaction there was actually two it was nexus and active pbx so we were going to bolt on combined right at eight and a half million in annual revenue right um, again this was uh, two businesses that had, or serving the small and medium-sized business. Um, they were on the same technology stack that we were on. Um, you recall, if I mentioned that about Synergy Telecom, these were like Synergy Telecom, just larger, right? Mm -hmm. In terms of revenue. Synergy Telecom was at a half a million. Next G and Active PBX uh, combined was right at eight, eight and a half million. So larger transaction for us. Uh, but that took us, you know, to about 15, right at 15 million in annualized revenue. And so um, at that point, and this is just part, again, it's part of the building block. As you're, as you're executing on your plan, um, you have other sources of capital that become available for the larger transactions. And typically at that point, you outgrow some of the former, you know, funding sources, right? That helped you along the way. That's not a bad thing, right? No, it's actually a good said, thing. Everybody wins on that, right? Yeah. As long as there's execution and you're going in the right direction, everybody wins. So uh, this, the, you know, the next stepping stone for us was to, to get with a lender that could do a 10 to $20 million facility for us, right? Right. And uh, we had, we went out to market with that. Uh, fortunately, we had about three, three lenders that were interested. Um, there's still some risk involved, obviously, because you're now you're now you're really scaling, right? You're going from again, you're going from a six million dollar company to a fifteen million dollar company in revenue. So you're more than doubling the size of the company. Very different than if you were growing through an MA at twenty percent, right? You're adding, you know, a couple of million in revenue or a million in revenue. So it's a it's a risk, right? Yeah. Uh, and we understand that. So there's certain lenders out there that that like to participate in that space, but um, it's, it's still not, you know, it's not bank money, right? It's not, uh, you're not going to get the interest rates you're going to get from a bank, but quite frankly, a bank won't fund that type of transaction. So the next stepping stone for us was to go to a lender like that. Um, and we were able to secure funding with post road group. Uh, again, we looked at, at three different lenders. Uh, we really liked them. Um, as you know, with Thermo credit, we built a relationship with you, Seth, and with Thermo over many years. And for me, it was important to align with a lender that share, you know, shared the same value system we did that, you know, I felt I could align with well, and uh, that was post road. And, and to the, you know, now we've been with them over gosh, a year and four months. They not, they just funded our other two transactions. It was the right decision. 
Yeah, I was so going to ask we, I'm sorry. I was going to ask you that when you went with them, it not only allowed you to do the, the Nexogy and active PBX transaction, but it also kind of set you up for future acquisitions. That's correct, Seth. So what happened there is it was a $20 million facility. It allowed us to close the Nexogy and active PBX transaction, but then it allowed us with some additional access to additional capital for the next deal, right? Mm -hmm. uh, which is what we did in, in just recent, well, in December, we closed on the Skynet transaction, which I'm sure we'll talk about. Uh, but you know, we used the remaining part of that $20 million facility, and then they expanded on that to close the deal. We just uh, closed about uh, about a week ago, a week and a half ago. So um, it's again, it, it was just uh, another building block more on the financial side of the equation, on the on the um, on the debt side of the equation. And uh, I believe we picked the right partner. But yes, we had, we secured at that point when we closed Nexogy and Active PBX. We secured a facility that would allow us to at least do one or two more deals. Awesome. So let's let's talk. So I know, and give me the timing here. I believe Nexogy and Active PBX were kind of the end of 2019. November correct? 2020. When we oh, was it 2020? Okay, yeah, 2020. I'm yeah. sorry. Yep. And then uh, you know you burned those in. That was a big acquisition. It was it was almost a case and. Don't take this the wrong way, but it was almost the case of a of a smaller of a smaller fish engulfing a larger fish. It was, and, and again, that's where the risk comes in, right? Yeah. Uh, so, and and it's we understand that you know we've been in the market long enough to know and been work with a lot of different lenders that you know just it, it's all positive, right? When you're growing at that uh, you know at that at percentage with a acquisition, but that also means there's more to digest. Yeah. Right. Your example, you know, it was a smaller fish swallowing a whale, right? And so um, there's more to digest there. And that, that you know, that, that, that because of that, there's a perceived that, hey, there could be more execution risk here, which I completely right. understand, right? Yeah. So fortunately, we, we were able to digest that yep. and uh, move forward, executed successfully. And again, a, a, a little over a year later, we're closing on our next transaction. And then shortly after that, our sixth transaction. Yeah, I'm just you know amazed by that that you were able to take on that large acquisition and at the same time continue to look at further acquisitions and actually get them completed. Uh, let's talk about yeah. Skynet a little bit. Tell us a little yeah. bit about that company and, and that acquisition. Yeah, so Skynet's been brewing for a while. I know the principal there, Paul Gullibard. I've known him for many years, right, mm -hmm. 25 years, and um, I'd, I'd always you know I'd talked to him before about hey we should we should look at doing a deal together, and. Um, it was just just became the right time in the summer of uh, 2021, and we entered into a, a letter of intent and then started our due diligence process, and we were able to close that by the end of the year. Uh, and so uh, that was a great fit for us because it's here in San Antonio as well, mm -hmm. <laughs> more revenue than than um, than Synergy Telecom, right? Than our original deal here in Texas. Uh, Skynet was right at three point you know, three and a half million annualized nice revenue, right? Right within our you know range, right? Nice. Mm -hmm. It was a good fit. And then of course they had a, they have a great customer base here in in Texas, right? That that was where they focused their efforts, and so it fit. It, and again, they're on the same technology stack. Yeah. So it was a great fit for us, and uh, we were able to get that deal closed. We used, excuse me, we used the remainder of the facility with Post Drug Group to get that done. So uh, it's 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 um, we're, we were super excited about getting that done by the end of the year. Yep. And then immediately after that, you do next level internet. Correct. So we were actually, well, we were busy because <laughs> we we entered into the LOI with um, with Skynet in July of last year. 
and then about a month and a half later, yeah, it would have been September, we entered into an LOI with Next Level. So we were going down both paths, you know, Next Level and Skynet almost simultaneously. And there was a lot of work to do. And sure. um, we, you know, Post Road helped us along the way. They did a, just, again, they were a true partner, right? In, the, yeah. in that sense and helped us with a lot of due diligence items. And fortunately we were able simultaneous to closing Skynet, we were able to look at expanding our facility to close next level, right? Which we did. Great. Um, and, and did you tell me they were willing to increase your facility uh, to do this they acquisition? Were. Yeah. Yeah, they did a, they did, they increased it via a bridge. Mm -hmm. Um, and we took us to 30, right, a little over 30 million so that we could get the next level transaction done. And then look, uh, I say it's a bridge because, um, we, you know, I, I believe, you know, and we've talked about this in our last, uh, probably in our last interview that our objective is to uplist the company to a primary stock exchange, right? So right. Digirati Technologies, the holding company, the parent company is a publicly traded company. We're fully reporting with the SEC meet all the criteria, right? We're, um, so if you look us up, you look up our financials, you're gonna see the quarterly statements, the annual statements. So um, our plan has always been to uh, uplist from the OTC market exchange to a primary stock exchange, NASDAQ or NYC American. I'm sorry. And we're well positioned to do that now. Mm -hmm. And those would be, which exchanges are you, are you hoping for? I think it's likely gonna be NASDAQ, Seth. Yeah. Um, it's, that's what we're shooting for. It could be NYC, but right now I think it's, it's going to be NASDAQ. Um, and we've, we've actually filed an S1. If you go look us up, you'll see an S1 that's on file. Um, and we needed to get these transactions done to update our financial statements in the S1 to mm -hmm. reflect these transactions. And so we act simultaneous to, to working towards a close. We conducted audits on both of those companies. Right. Uh, full, one of them was a one-year audit. Skynet was a one-year audit. Uh, next level was a two-year audit, which obviously helps with due diligence, right? Because yep. you, you're going to get audited financials at closing. But they were also necessary to continue with our uplist process post-closing of those transactions. Gotcha. So it worked out really well. And uh, so, you know, our goal is to uplist. I can't talk more about that than to say that uh, it's a near-term objective. And, you know, we, we really needed to get these transactions done, tuck them in financially into our S1 and our audited financials, and then proceed with the uplist process. And the reason I bring that up, because I, I reference the term bridge, uh, so with Post Road, so they they expanded their facility, but we, we kind of view it more as a bridge in the sense that we're accessing the capital markets through our uplist, right, to bring in another source of capital. And that's been our goal all along, right, is to be able to truly access the capital markets. It's been really challenging to do that on the OTC market exchange. Um, but, you know, on a primary exchange like NASDAQ, uh, you know, we're, we're, we will be able to accomplish that objective, right? So our financing strategy changes um, and it's, it's all strategic, right? I mean, we, we want to balance out equity with debt, right? We don't want to get too, you know, heavy on the debt side. Um, and, and we want to balance that out uh, we always want to have debt on, you know, we'll have debt on our balance sheet, but we want to keep that at a healthy level, right? And uh, balance it out with equity, which is the reason that uh, uplist is going to be so important to us to continue with our M&A strategy. The other piece that, and I, I think we referenced our first deal, we, we gave out a little bit of stock. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, our subsequent deals, we did not. Um, and it, well, we did in our last two, but they're structured in a way 
uh, that the stock is issued after we uplist the company, right? So uh, now with an uplist and, and a currency on a primary exchange like NASDAQ, we're going to be able to pursue M&A drills with, with our currency, right? Our, right? our NASDAQ currency, which is common out there, right? And sure. so uh, we're going to be in a different position. We'll have a great debt partner in Post Road. We'll have our own our currency now on the NASDAQ. And then we'll have access to the, to the capital markets for equity. Super. Well, hey, another thing is funny. I was like I said, I went back and listened to the original podcast we did back in May of, of 2021. And in there, I, I kind of concluded by asking you uh, how you felt since it appeared we were coming out of the pandemic, how you felt things were, were moving, going to move forward. Well, ironically, we didn't come out of the pandemic in, in May right. of 2021. Before we did uh, not. We thought we and, did. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and uh, you kind of feel like now we really are. Uh, and so my question to you is, assuming that we are coming out of the pandemic and people are, I mean, we're seeing it now, certainly here in Florida, and I'll, I'll bet you are in Texas. We're yes. seeing companies, people are going back to the office. They're not working virtually right. near as much anymore. Uh, what impact does that have on your business? Is it better for your business? Because uh, I, I suspect that some of the stuff that happened while people were working virtually was good for your business. Uh, as we come out of it, do you see that shift being a positive or negative for your business? Yeah, so I think it, I, we see it as a positive. I'll tell you why. Um, you know, before the pandemic, we'd approach a, a prospective customer and it, it was it was hard to really at times uh, to convince them that they needed to move to the cloud, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, you know they had their phones, their communication system was working well for them. Never really, you know, didn't have any issues specifically. Sure, they want to move to a newer technology for the future, but it wasn't necessary for them to make that move at the time, right? It's just it wasn't there wasn't anything pressing. So what the pandemic did is it it forced a lot of businesses to rethink that, right? and rethink a remote working environment. And how do you do that when you've got maybe a traditional communication system that isn't, uh, you know, isn't built to do that? And so a lot of these businesses had to go to re uh, remote working or at least maybe a hybrid environment, which is what we're, I think we're gonna see going forward. And so uh, I think these businesses now are more, uh, are at a point where they would adopt cloud-based communication technology because of what happened during the pandemic. And they've, they've kind of already dipped their toe in the water, right? Or dipped their foot in the water a little bit And uh, with that. So it, we think that's a positive, right? And it's going to create more adoption of cloud-based communication technologies going forward. Now, having said that, uh, many businesses that went 100% remote, uh, others went, you know, hybrid, and what we're seeing is that a lot of businesses are going to want to do maybe a hybrid, go forward with a hybrid work environment where they have their office and then they have remote workers. And that's ideal for what we do, right? That's yeah. an ideal situation for a cloud-based communication system because quite frankly, you could be anywhere, right? Right. Um, but you can have a core, your core communication system at a traditional office and we can support that in the cloud. And then your remote workers can be anywhere uh, and also interconnected, right? So we, we kind of like that. So I, I'm looking forward to, you know, again, obviously we all want to get past this pandemic right. and go back to some, some sense of normal. And um, we're, we're encouraged by what we see in the business market. Yeah. I would, I would think that the concept of being open to cloud-based technology 
uh, has increased tremendously. I don't think anybody believes that this couldn't happen again and that we need to be right. better prepared next time. Uh, yep. So I, I, I would think any company is going to look at this and say, we, we have to have the ability to, if we need to go virtual overnight, right. we can do it. And the only way to really do that is a, is cloud-based technologies. That's right. That's yeah. correct. Well, great. Well, hey, listen, Art, I really appreciate you coming back on. This has been uh, fascinating, uh, I think quite educational for our listeners. And I just want to tell you how much I really appreciate you taking the time. Oh, thank you, Seth. I appreciate you having me on. And we like telling our story. And what's neat is that, you know, if you go back to when we did our first interview to now, we've actually made progress. Every, yeah. you know, we, we like to tell folks that, you know, what we say we're going to do, we go do. We go make it happen. We execute. And it's, uh, it's, it's, it's basic stuff, right? And uh, we're excited about continuing to build this company. And we, we, we're just getting started. <laughs> so, there you go. Uh, we're well, excited hey. about the future. Thank you for, for your time and for having us back on your uh, network here, your funding university network. Well, it's, it's been totally our pleasure. And I hope to have you back on real soon. Thanks, Seth. Thanks, Art. Take care.